1: Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded.
0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: hey how's it going welcome to episode number 538 of locked on raptors for monday june 24th i'm your host sean woodley of raptorshq.com you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean find the show at Lockdown Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast and of course please make sure you're checking out the On Podcast Network tons of great offerings on tap for you over there if you're a fantasy basketball fan getting ready for dynasty drafts and stuff this summer please make sure you're listening to Josh Lloyd on the Lockdown Fantasy show you can also hear the On NBA local team shows if there's a particular team you're interested in and what they did in the draft please make sure you're going to that specific iTunes page so you want to hear about the Lockdown uh, you want to hear the Lockdown Grizzlies take on what the Memphis Grizzlies did the bizarro raptors uh please make sure you're checking out that to hear about all the new guys who are going to be playing with bruno caboclo this season if you find a show on the network please make sure you are subscribing rating reviewing all that good stuff that we ask you to do all the time it's very appreciated it helps us out a lot and uh that's all i got to do with the plug in the podcast network of course you can find it on itunes stitcher spotify google play and himalaya And, uh, yeah, ratings and reviews, super-duper nice. And uh, also, We the Champs, the book I wrote with Alex Wong, is still available uh, for pre-order. The 25th, Tuesday, is when it hits shelves, I believe, so you can get it then. And people should be getting their copies in the mail on Tuesday or Wednesday this week as well. So thanks to everyone who's pre-ordered. If you have not yet, you can still do so. Alex has a bit of a giveaway going on on his Instagram page if you want to check that out. It's uh, no shortage of way to get the books, so please make sure you're finding We the Champs. It's only like 20 bucks for 14.92 I think on Amazon right now, so it's affordable. And I think it's going to be a pretty cool keepsake to have uh, for people to have around the house uh, just to sort of go back and flip through and see what happened during this magical magical run to the title. I'm flipping through it right now. You can hear it right here. It's so easy to look at. It's pretty. It's got great photography all the way through and some pretty okay words from myself and Alex Wong as well. All right, on today's show, Look, man, I was very tired after the uh, title run, and I was also kind of sick last week, and my throat was a disaster, so I was going to do a little extra in the way of content, but then I kind of gave myself a little self-imposed vacation, I hope you understand. Uh, I did record a podcast, there was a third podcast I recorded last week with Vivek and Sahal, where we went through our preseason prop bets, and I was really excited for that one to come up, and then I tried to edit it and the file was corrupted on me, like the second I stopped recording with Sahal and Vivek, so that is never going to see the light of day, unfortunately. I can pass along the news that Vivek won once again, he's a two-time defending champion for the prop bets contest with myself and Sahal Abby. It's um, Very annoying. I'm, I'm disappointed, but uh, Sahal kicked our asses. He got 7 of 10 correct. Both Sahal and I just 4 correct, so congrats to him. Although I was the only person who picked the Raptors to win more than two and a half, uh, 2.5, 2.5, Playoff rounds? And that was the most important question. So if you want to give me the win, I'll understand. Uh, But no, Vivek actually goes home with the win. Sorry that podcast did not end up seeing the light of day. Uh, It's very annoying. We talked for like 45 minutes, an hour, and I'm pissed off that it's not around anymore, but sometimes technology is going to betray you. So apologies for that. On today's show, though, we're back in the swing of things here as we get Going towards free agency a week from today, we'll probably know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. Um, Hopefully not any more creepy photos of him walking around town are going to be hitting the light of day between now and then. Hopefully he can just kind of live his life, but... Won't be as creepy as those uh, billboards in LA, I suppose. Uh, everyone should stop being weird about Kawhi. Just let the dude do his own thing. LA, Toronto, whatever it is, just leave him alone. Anyway, on today's show, I'm going solo, and I thought it was a good time to bring back the mailbag because kind of starving for topics a little bit here because the Raptors offseason kind of hinges on this one very important thing. And it's kind of hard to talk about all of the other ramifications of that without knowing what exactly is going to happen. So I decided to open up the mailbag once again. And usually I've been doing these exclusively for Patreon listeners. So I apologize if you're a Patreon subscriber. You're like, what the hell, dude? Why is this mailbag going out to the world? Don't worry. There'll be lots of Patreon stuff coming up soon. And I look forward to getting that thing back and up and rolling in July. But um, in the meantime, I figured this was a good way to sort of fill the week and get the week started and answer a lot of questions people have about the offseason. So let's do that First question here comes from James Gleason. Oh, love you. How's that? How, what's going on, James? James was uh, kind enough to meet myself and Katie last week at the bar after the parade. James is lovely. Anyway, question from James. What is Marcus go-to hangover food? So this is interesting because as we've kind of talked about... He does have a bit of, like, a fat guy energy. He used to be a bit of a doughy fella. Went to school in Memphis. I could see barbecue being something he really goes for. But I'm going to say he kind of goes to his roots here. And I'll say he goes with, like, a soup. Maybe, like, an escudela or something like that. Something like with, like, meatballs and, like, a hearty broth and noodles. I think that's probably what he's going with because soup is the best. If you've never had soup as a hangover cure, it really, really owns. And I think... This is probably the, where, where Marcus Gasol goes. I think he probably cooks up a nice big crock pot full of escudilla if he knows he's going to be drinking the night before, gets it ready, has it on the crock pot, crock pot and he can throw it in the microwave by the bowl or throw it on the pot by the bowl the next day as he's recovering. Or two days later, uh, if it, if he took a whole day to sleep after that parade, I would not have blamed him. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, some sort of Spanish soup is what Marc Gasol is going with. Next question here comes from uh, Atlanta. What was Kawhi talking about with the Bat Boy? Uh, so, if you guys didn't see this, I'm sure everyone did. Kawhi Leonard was at the Blue Jays game last week, I think on Thursday, and was seen for the majority of the time he was sitting there conversing with the Bat Boy, who was just kind of talking back and forth. He the Bat Boy was interviewed later on, asking what they were talking about, and he said uh, he could he couldn't talk about it, and uh, that's fun and cool. I don't know what they were talking about. I'm not really sure what Kawhi's relationship with baseball is. He feels like a person who would like baseball a lot because it's slow and chill and relaxing and doesn't require your full attention. You can kind of just be there, have a conversation with somebody while a baseball game's happening in front of you. I feel like Kawhi would dig that energy. Um, I'm not sure if the Bat Boy was like, if they were like talking about players on the Blue Jays, maybe like Kawhi was getting a refresher on who the hell's on that very godforsakenly bad Blue Jays team. Um, were they talking about how great Mike Trout is? I don't know. Hopefully not. I, I I I could not possibly say with any certainty what those guys were talking about. But I feel like it's got to be some sort of like download of the information of the current Blue Jays team because if Kawhi is going to be spending his summer. You know, bumming about Toronto. Maybe he wants to know about the team he's going to get to going to get to watch. Sometimes I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Um, but that was really fun. And shouts to the people for chanting his name very very loudly and doing MVP chants at a baseball game. That was cool. That's the cool kind of public acknowledgement of a guy when he's walking down the hall. Down the stairs with Raptors head of security, John um, That That's like when you know you're expecting to be sort of harassed. Not harassed, but just like noticed in public. And it's very much expected. They had, I think, a graphic ready for him to come as well. So they, he was kind of letting them know ahead of time he was coming. That's great. Uh, I that, that that was awesome. Everyone should cheer Kawhi when he's at baseball games. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully he does not more. Uh, next one here. Also baseball related. Could Kawhi carry the Blue Jays to a title if he joined the team right now. This one comes from Josh Howe. I don't think so. The Blue Jays are pretty bad. They're more than one pitcher away. I'm assuming Kawhi would be a pitcher, because he's got those big hands. I feel like he could be pretty surgical and have like a pretty mean hook. And like maybe he's like a guy who comes and throws heat out of the bullpen with like a really mean sort of like. Diving two two-seamer that sort of cuts in on right-handed batters versus a, a curveball that goes away from them. I could see that him that, that sort of being his bag. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's carrying the Blue Jays to a title because boy, they are uh, they're very very bad and. Because of load management, I don't think you could have him be a starter. I think he'd have to be a reliever, sort of. You know, pick, his, pick and choose his spots. Maybe he goes two innings once in a while here as a closer. But I don't think you could really rely on him to throw a hundred pitches every five days because load management's important, and you got to keep those, uh, those hams, those hams, those hands. I don't know. Keep the whole thing fresh. I suppose. What the hell am I talking about? Anyway, next one here. This one comes from. Uh, David yeah, David F. Also met David at the uh, at the bar after the parade. That was lovely. Anyway, uh, also Josh Howe. Everyone who was at the bar is asking questions. Josh Howe was there too. Uh, David, most impaired player power rankings from Parade Day. We kind of went over this last week on the podcast, I think, with Katie. I think number one is probably Gasol. That's pretty obvious to me. Number two, I think Norm Powell was having himself a pretty good time. He, at one point, as I mentioned to Katie, didn't really spray a can of beer on people as much as he just, like, opened it and poured it on people because he was, like, over it. Um, I think he's also the guy who threw the baguette. Yeah, Norm was having himself a good time. I will say third is Danny Green because, I mean, he was really enjoying himself too. I don't—I think number four secretly might have been Kawhi. Like, I think it probably takes a lot to get that dude drunk, but— I do think he was kind of just sitting at the back of the bus, just like, you know, having a swig of champagne every now and then, wasn't really openly sort of like acting upon his drunkenness. But I think you could see in sort of the comfort he had on the stage, as well as his brevity. I think he wasn't about to have like a 10-minute speech because he wasn't really in the shape to do that when he was on the stage. But I think sort of the ease with which he made the entire country of Canada come to heal with one laugh. I feel like that was kind of lubricated a little bit. So I'll say Kawhi was number four. And then number five, uh, let's go with OG Ananobi. Poor guy, lost like 30 pounds. I can't imagine it takes much to get that guy drunk right now. Um, So I'll say OG by default. Uh, Next question here comes from uh, Global Nation. DeWan Hernandez, cracking the regular season rotation, considering we are pioneering load management. Uh, A lot of Dewan Hernandez questions in here. Um, So, first of all, I know nothing about the draft. I don't profess to know anything about the draft, and in particular this season, with the Raptors having not been involved in the draft at all and having them go very deep and not really having much of a a runway to prepare for the draft, I really kind of punted on draft coverage this season, and I can't say I'm upset about it. The draft, to me... I know there are a lot of people who do a lot of really great work behind it. For me, it feels a lot like guesswork and we don't really know anything until we see what team certain guys land on because that, to me, is the biggest sort of dictator of success most of the time is uh, where are you playing, who are you playing with, and uh, is your team garbage? And if your team is garbage, then I worry for you. I'm very worried for R.J. Barrett, let's put it that way. Um, So with DeWan Hernandez, I think... The thing, the thinking there was, I think they were trying to kind of get at a guy who his value wasn't particularly high because he hadn't played in his final season of college because of the FBI investigation. The fact that the FBI was investigating some NCAA scandal is such a damn indictment of like the allocation of resources in the states. Um, so dumb. But. For Dewan Hernandez to not play, I think that kind of drove his value down, obviously, because you're not seeing him play. He's not you know being talked about regularly. He's not having, you know, even like a March Madness tournament where he can kind of shine. Um, so I think the fact he didn't play, the Raptors kind of jumped on that lack of value and took him there. <laughs> Ultimately, like, it's the 59th pick. I, I don't know what we should expect from the 59th pick. That's two spots away from not being drafted at all. And I think... A lot of guys, I mean, the Raptors signed Lindell Wigginton out of uh, Iowa State. I mean, there's a very good chance that guy's a better NBA player than Dewan Hernandez one day. Um, I think the the deal with the 59th pick is so weird because when you get down to that point, some guys are actively trying not to be drafted. And I, I wonder on a team where there's pretty, big, pretty good big man depth and you already have sort of a developmental guy in Chris Boucher, I wonder... How many bigs really would have been okay with being drafted by the Raptors there? I mean, Simi Shitu is a Canadian guy, a center who also had a bit of a a down season because he was injured. That's a guy who maybe the Raptors wanted to take, but maybe he was like, nah, I'll try to work the undrafted free agent thing where I had a bit more agency over where I go. Um, I can kind of pick and choose where I want to play based on opportunity and stuff like that. So Dewan Hernandez I think probably from the sounds of it was just happy to be drafted because he had his value diminished so much over the last year and I think the Raptors are looking at a guy who is you know six foot 11 and has had a couple pretty nice seasons with Miami and is you know athletic and all that stuff maybe switchable on a couple of positions who knows I don't want to profess to know anything about Dewan Hernandez because I've never seen him play but I just sort of the thinking of it I think, there's really no way I think he cracks the rotation this season unless they go full teardown mode, which I've talked about and why I think that's a very bad idea. Um, so I think we'll probably see him work in the, in the 905 this season for the most part. Maybe he gets called up once in a while for a little bit of action. Um, but no, I, I don't really see DeJuan Hernandez figuring into the rotation plans all that much this season. Of course, that could change. Kawhi leaves, Marcus Gasol out. Maybe you're looking at a bit more of a sort of Opportunity for minutes there at the back end of the rotation, but there are still guys ahead of him that like like Chris Boucher in particular that I think will get those minutes first. Um, next one here comes from uh, Ray G. If he's gone, he being Kawhi, how far do you project the team to go with no new additions? So. Um, yes, if Kawhi leaves, the Raptors don't have a lot in the way of flexibility to add much, right? They're kind of stuck with the team that they have, they will have the mid-level exception available to them, they'll have their biannual exceptions, they'll have minimums, all that stuff, but for the most part, they're kind of going in with the same, uh, same squad minus Kawhi, which is obviously a very big guy to take away from the team. I think what we saw this season, and you got to bake in the fact that they're going to be older next season and it'll be a little bit more difficult to project health and all that stuff, um, especially for a guy like Gasol if he opts in, which maybe he doesn't opt in if Kawhi doesn't stay. Maybe he wants to go try to win a title elsewhere. Maybe he's just happy to be in Toronto for another year and not move again. I don't know what, what, what Marc Gasol's plans are just yet, but I do think... If Kawhi leaves and you run back the same team, like that team can win 45 to 50 games, I think. Kyle Lowry is still very good. Pascal Siakam, you would assume, is going to take another bit of a step. Maybe Fred Van Vliet becomes more of a relied-upon rotation guy. As, I mean, he's been relied upon pretty heavily. Played like 32 minutes a game or something like that in the finals. But I do think we'll see him probably become like the go-to sixth man type thing. Um, and with OGN and OB back, I, I think they're probably a very good defensive team still. I mean, Kawhi, I know he was all defense second team this year, but I think you could argue that he was like the third or fourth, even fifth best defensive player on the Raptors this season, at least fifth, mo- fifth most important. And I think the Raptors would still have a pretty good case as being like a top five to 10 defense even if Kawhi leaves because of Gasol, because of Siakam and his versatility, because of OG, you know, the strides he showed defensively this season were the most encouraging thing of his year by far. Um, And the offense, I mean, we saw that the offense was pretty good when the Raptors would operate without Kawhi, right? And maybe this changes if Danny Green's gone as well, which I have an inkling would happen either way, but even in particular if Kawhi ends up staying, like I kind of find it hard to envision a situation in which Danny Green sticks around long term. But um, I still think there's enough there, and enough defense, and enough intelligence, and IQ, and ball movement, and all that stuff. And you bake in the fact that Siakam as your go-to guy, maybe he is, maybe he can keep up the the around 62, 63 true shooting percentage as a number one guy. I don't think that's realistic. I think probably if he can be around 59, 60, that'd be amazing. And you sort of go with that as your number one option. Look, it's not going to be a team that wins a title. That's like pretty clear. I think the Sixers probably would go into the East as the favorites next season, uh, depending on what the Bucks do. If the Bucks land, land like a big fish, like Al Horford or something, that'd be great. But they're also kind of in cap hell themselves, and I don't think they're going to be able to get that done. So the Raptors probably go in as like sort of a Pacers-level team with you know not much in the way of huge upside, unless Siakam really pops into like a top ten player. Which, as good as I think Siakam is, feels a little bit unrealistic for next season at least. And I think, yeah, you probably look at like a 4-5 seed type thing and then – You see uh, probably a second round appearance, I think, would be what it is. And if that's the case, like, I'm cool with that. Run that fun team back with the old guys. Go to the second round. Win another series. Get some more playoff run for uh, Siakam as a go-to, you know, top dog. And then you recuperate and sort of reevaluate where you're at after the 2020 season. And you go in with a lot of room because a lot of guys are coming off the books. And you can kind of see what the team's going to look like around Siakam going forward. Um, Next one here. This one comes from Darth Lean. Uh, first he asked how hyped I am for Dewan Hernandez. I'm medium hyped for DeJuan, De- De- DeJuan Hernandez. He's got a cool name. He was anti-NCAA. I'm all for that, but I don't think he's going to really factor in much this year. It's important to bake in, uh, low expectations for second round picks because as Raptors fans well know, there are plenty of DeAndre Danielses where you get Norm Powell's once in a while. It's, it's kind of more of a, a hit and miss sort of. Whack-a-mole-type thing with second-round picks. So, no, I'm not super thrilled about Dewan Hernandez, but it seems cool, and he has a cool name, and I like it. Uh, the uh, that second question Darth Lean has, uh, how long do you think it will be until the Canadian men's team achieves a top-10 FIBA ranking? Um, I don't even know where they're actually ranked right now. That's a good question. Let's look it up. Um, I think it's probably pretty soon. They're really talented. They obviously have more NBA players than anybody else. They just had six dudes drafted into the NBA, so the depth of talent is pretty deep right now. You've got the Canadian Elite Basketball League running right now as well, which is helping to, I think, you know, improve the back end of the pool when you get those sort of tricky, I think, um, qualifying situations where you gotta, you know, negotiate the 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 regular seasons and the sort of weird. Um, Sort of like you gotta have weird rosters that you throw out there, right? It's kind of bizarre. You gotta have like dudes who played all over the place in the regular season because guys are playing with the NBA. Um, Right now, they're at the Canada. My my vamping there was to me for me to find where they are in the standings. They're number twenty three in FIBA right now. Um, Currently, number ten is Russia. I I think that's a team you can definitely you know surpass. Australia is number eleven. Brazil's twelve. Those two, Australia-Brazil, kind of feel like the the Canada zone, I think, a little bit. Um, Obviously, Greece is eighth, and then you have Slovenia seventh, Lithuania sixth, Argentina five. Argentina feels like it's kind of on its way down those standings, a lot of those... Um, Baltic or Balkan? 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 I always grew up Balkan and Baltic. Both are pretty good. Lithuania is one of them, and then Croatia and Serbia are the other one. Um, they're both, you know, the, I think that's kind of the range, right? Like between 4 and 10, I think, is kind of where Canada stacks up. USA, Spain, and France are 1, 2, and 3 right now, and that feels pretty airtight, although I guess Spain is also kind of in the Argentina mode, where a lot of their guys are kind of aging out. France seems to be kind of getting new guys every couple years. They had a big five-person draft, I think, in 2016. Or something like that. So they are pretty set up as well. But I think, yeah, like for Canada to be like the new France, I think that kind of would make a lot of sense. I don't know if they're ever going to have the upside of like those Spain or Argentina teams that really challenge the states. But, um, you know, being in the hunt for medals at all the big tournaments is kind of where you want to be. And I think they're kind of set up for that, especially with today's official announcement that Nick Nurse is going to be the coach of Team Canada. Like, I can't describe how great a move I think that is. I think it's amazing to have a little bit of crossover between. The Raptors and the national program and MLSC and the national program and um, just all of the, the like, it just it seems like it really makes a lot of sense. The Raptors are so tied to the health of the Canadian game, and obviously the national team has not really held up its end of the bargain there, and they've kind of been disappointing. And you know, turning that thing around and getting them to the Olympics in 2020 and doing well at this World Cup is obviously going to be really important to set themselves up for. What I think is going to be a really fruitful decade, I mean, I think this coming decade can be what the, you know, 20, what the the odds were for Argentina, right? Where you have all these guys kind of come together and they really morph into something special over the course of a decade. Same same goes for Spain. You know, now you have R.J. Barrett into the league. You have Jamal, Jamal Murray kind of hitting his stride here. You got the older sort of veteran guys like Corey Joseph and Tristan Thompson still around. Who knows what's going to happen with Andrew Wiggins, but... With the depth of talent and just the number of guys you can call on, I think this is really going to be an important summer, right, to sort of narrow down who the guys are that you want to go into as being sort of your your staple guys, and is it about talent or is it about fit of skills, Nick Nurse talked today about trying to have versatility with his lineups and stuff like that, and I think he'll really try for that. A guy like Brandon Clark comes to mind, just taken by the Grizzlies, 21st overall, you know, really seems like he's switchable, can kind of play a bunch of spots, maybe that's a guy, you know, sort of a role player to dude who sort of fits in a little bit better than, say, a Wiggins would, where he's kind of ball dominant, and you're having them sort of trade possessions with, you know, R.J. Barrett, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Jamal Murray, stuff like that. Um, obviously, getting Murray and Barrett to play is a very important as well. I think those are the two guys you really want to have, um, for obviously shot creation reasons and talent reasons and all that stuff. Um, and if you can get those guys on board, then I think really the the next decade should be a huge, huge success for Canada basketball. And I, I don't think it'll be long if they do well this summer. I'm not sure how the rankings really work, but I could see them by the end of the Olympics next next time around being top ten. I mean that that makes a lot of sense to me. Them winning a medal in 2020 in Tokyo makes some sense to me. Like, they're really talented. And if Nick Nurse can kind of bring his NBA acumen and his sort of ability to sort of fit guys together to the to the table and maybe use his NBA acumen to convince guys to come to, to play for Canada, then I think they have a really good shot. They There's a lot of talent here, man. It's more talent than anybody else. And I think it's going to be... Uh, Very, very good for uh, Canada over the next decade or so.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, next one here. This one comes from Beer? Beer. Uh, If Kawhi signs elsewhere, do you see a path for obtaining any more younger assets? Or do the Raptors let the olds play at their contract and start an organic rebuild? Um, So I think probably the second one. I don't think there's really a way to get young assets. I uh, talked about this a little bit last week with John Gotis. I'm not sure the Raptors' expiring deals really carry that much value. You're not going to get a ton back for those guys because they come at such ample cap hits. And look, yes, maybe they're you know attractive to other teams as expiring contracts, but they're also attractive to the Raptors as expiring contracts. The Raptors. Would love to have cap space, I'm sure, and I think they set themselves up knowing exactly what this sort of three-year window, the last season being the second window of which, uh, really sort of entails. It sort of sets them up after three years to come off with clean books for the most part, except for whatever you have to give to Pascal Siakam this summer or next summer, and then Norm Powell's locked in for three more years beyond this one. Other than that, they're pretty clean and their powder's pretty dry, and I think... If you're trading your your big contracts going into the season or at some point this season to the deadline or whatever, you're not really going to get anything of substantial value back. You're probably just getting other bad money, and that bad money might be spread out over a couple you know contracts here or there. Maybe they're smaller contracts, but they're lasting longer, perhaps. I don't even know real examples of this, like, I don't know, Bismack Biambo or something like that or, like, other bad contracts. Like, I just – I don't think you're getting real substantial you know, good young assets for expiring guys on enormous deals, especially when you consider the Raptors' expiring guys, or Kyle Lowry, who's going to be 33, uh, Marcus Gasol, who's going to be 35, and Serge Ibaka, who's going to be I think 31 this year or 30. Um, you know, it, it's the, they're not really sexy guys you're going to get great stuff back for it. If we've seen anything over the last few years in the NBA, I would just kind of say, temper your expectations always about what you're going to get back in return for something, because. Outside of the Pelicans getting a real haul and like maybe killing the Lakers for the entirety of the 2020s, um, you're not really getting a lot in trades for anything. Like superstars aren't are demanding nearly what you think they would. And I think that kind of goes as well for expiring contracts. I think the, the, the value of the Raptors having those deals still in their books is a way more than whatever you might be able to extract from some other team who's looking to add an expensive guy. And I think... You know, also, most teams probably have, like, if they're really serious about winning, they probably have a starting point guard who's just as good or comparable to Kyle Lowry, right? Um, so there's not going to be really a need there. And I think... Yeah, the the way to do it is just you run out next season, you take it to the end, you have a fun season with the old guys, maybe you keep Kyle out Kyle around on a shorter deal after he expires, and you can have him be sort of the shepherd of the next era if he's, you know, not even a shorter deal, but like a, a less expensive deal if he doesn't think he's gonna cash out somewhere else at thirty four, thirty five years old. Um, I guess thirty four him next summer. I god, I can't keep track of all these olds. Um, but I do think yeah, there's a chance that all those guys leave after next season, and you start a quote-unquote organic rebuild, or you use your cap space and your you know pedigree as a championship team, and a guy with Masai Ujiri and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and all these great things to offer, and like a crazy fan base who will come out, and you'll be a king forever. It, like if Kawhi leaves, I think there are worse things to do than to sort of pitch yourself as a location for guys after 2020 or 2021 when your powder's dry, and I think. You know, If that doesn't work, if you can't land a big free agent, then yeah, an organic rebuild makes some sense. And I think they've built enough of a runway with winning the title that I think people would be okay with that as well a couple years from now. Because guess what? They did everything that you need to do in order to justify tearing it all back down once again. Like They, they have achieved the ultimate thing, and that should sort of calm people down for the next three or four years, I would think, at least. Uh, next one here. This one comes from Irv Dizzle. What do you think the Raps will do with Pat McCaw's? Uh, poof, I just think they'll let him walk. I don't think he's worth like giving a lot of money to and like eating up a little bit of extra cab space. I think he's an interesting player. I just don't know if you really want to have a guy who's so terrified other the, ter- terrified to shoot, terrified to put shots up. I, I just it doesn't do it for me. I, I think I would probably pass on uh, Pat McCaw from the Raptors this summer. It was nice he was around. He hit that three in the finals. That was great. And you move on, um, unless he wants to come back on like a minimum or something. But no, I, I don't think he's much to be excited about. And I think they'll probably move on. And then the other one is also from Irv Dizzle. Is there a hangover story you can give that would have been comparable to Marcus Sauls on Tuesday? Uh, I'm going to uh, re- choose to not answer that one. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Chris Keating uh, at happy C is happy. Can OG push to get Fred Norm type minutes next season? Totally. I think OG is like kind of due for a pretty big bounce back next year. It was a really tough year for him, both physically and personally. obviously losing his father earlier in the season. that was awful. And he was injured. He had the appendix, like, just a weird sort of season from hell for OG, and I don't think that sort of portends a lot of bad stuff for him coming. I think he's talented. I think the things he showed this season on defense in particular were very, very exciting, and he still remains like a pretty exciting small like small ball four type guy who can switch across a million positions and shoot threes. I, I mean, I don't think he's... Um, it's hard to say what kind of shooter he's actually going to be. We don't really know because there's not a huge sample on him, right? He had a pretty small sample in college. And then as a pro, it's also been pretty small. You know, when you consider it all, he was 33% this season. He's 35% over his career. Maybe he settles in there about 34, 35, 36%. And I think that's probably kind of what you're happy with. You'll be cool with that. Because of his defense, I think that makes him a pretty valuable player. So I I think we'll see lots of OG next season. I think he'll be given lots of opportunity to get in. And and, I mean, if Kawhi leaves, I think he probably starts. If Kawhi sticks around, I I think there's still a world in which you know OG gets a lot of run. Um, Obviously, as a backup, but as a backup four in particular, I think there's a lot of room for OG on this roster and in this rotation. And obviously, when you get to the regular season, you don't. You know, I think we kind of forget. They trim the rotation down to eight guys in the in the playoffs, but the Raptors played like 11, 12 guys a lot of times over the course of the regular season, and I think um, like there, there's going to be plenty of room for, you know, if Fred and, and Norm played 20-ish minutes a game, I mean, I think Fred probably plays more than that next season, uh, Norm probably stays around the same. I think, like, OG gets 20, 22, 23 minutes a game, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, and uh, I would hope he gets it, because I think he's got a lot of talent, and I think he's, um, you know, honestly, if there's one thing about this past season for OG that might be a good thing, I think it probably will be a good way to sort of, you know, lower people's expectations because, man, people were really, really high on him going into last season. People were throwing out the Kawhi comparisons and stuff because of how good he was in the playoffs. And I just think that was totally unfair uh, to OG. That that was asking a lot of OG Hananobi, and I don't think he's really capable of that. I think he's gonna get, like capable of being a very, very nice rotation player, like the fifth starter on an excellent team that is kind of where i think he ends up top you know capping out maybe there's a little bit more in the way of you know creation that he's yet to mine cuz he's still so young but i think um Last season might sort of have been a bit of a cool down on OG's prospects, and I think that's probably a good thing, really, because um, high expectations are never good for anybody, and it's not fair to anybody, uh, especially to have Kawhi attached to you as like a comparison even when you play with him. I mean, people were asking him about like trying to model his game after Kawhi. That's really hard to do, man. Kawhi is incredible. <laughs> like, that's not even a fair thing to ask a guy to do. So I think we'll see a pretty refreshed and hopefully— Quite counted upon OG and an OB next season. I'm looking forward to the redemption tour for him. Uh, Next question here comes from Lamar Edwards. Would Masai beat all the other NBA GMs in a game of Monopoly? Uh, I think Rob Polinka would cheat, so no. I think Rob Polinka wins because he uh, doesn't really understand the rules and takes money out of the pot and, and and would be kind of a skeevy bastard to play with with all the backstabbing and whatnot, so no. I think Rob Polinka wins um, and everyone else loses because he's a cheating ass. Uh, next one, also from Lamar Edwards. Favorite Locked On podcast other than the Raptors one? Um, this is a good one. I think... I'm probably inclined to just, like, pick my friends (laughs) Um, and, like... I I'm you know close to at least internet pals with a few of the hosts. I'll say Chris Manning with Locked On Cavs is a fantastic job. Love having him on the show. Um, Locked On Blazers is very good. Although Eric Gunderson doesn't host it anymore, I think Mike Richmond hosts it now. Love Eric Gunderson and love Locked On Blazers. Um, and I will also say Locked On Knicks is pretty good as well with uh, James Marseda. I think is still hosting that. I should probably have the list of people who are hosting it right in front of me. But there's a lot of guys on the network. A lot of hosts. We we kind of run out of. I run out of bandwidth to remember all the names. Um, but Locked On Knicks, Locked On Blazers, and Locked On Cavs would be my top three, I think. And no disrespect to anybody else. Love having John on from Locked On Celtics and Anthony from Locked On Lakers and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, 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 this the guys, just the people who you're pals with. And so I'll say those guys. Uh, next one here. Also from Lamar, in terms of the entire organization, who was the greatest Raptor? Players, commentators, management. Uh, He says his top fire, Masai, Kawhi, Jack Armstrong, Kyle Lowry, Drake, and Damar. I would say I probably agree with that. I mean, yeah. I mean, as much as I love Jack Armstrong, I mean, he is... Uh, the guy who wrote the forward for our book. I don't know if I could have Jack in the top five just because players and management are so important um, to sort of dictating the terms and, you know, ensuring things are successful. I think Vince is still in there. I think it's probably Vince, Masai, Kyle, Damar, and Kawhi. Like, I think that's probably it. I think you got to have players and more so than you have, um, like, builders and stuff like that. I mean, Masai's done such an amazing job. If you want to throw like a wild card in there, maybe like Tim Wiki, because when he came in in 2012, 2013 to MLSE, he kind of changed the whole game and everything kind of got better from there. And he hired Masai and he sort of set the the franchise up on a pretty good path before he left. So maybe you could throw him in there. But no, I'll say, Mac- I'll say it's Masai, Kawhi, Kyle, Damar, and Vince as the top five most important. Um, yeah. Also, I'll throw in Eric Bledsoe because he was ass in the conference finals and made the Raptors that much more likely to win it. So thanks, Eric Bledsoe, for all you've done for the franchise. The
0: NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, next question here. This one comes from Nick Davis at the main event 2K. If Kawhi leaves, who, is, who would be a great fit for agency to come in and possibly keep us in contention if Siakam can take another big step forward? Uh, I It's not really anybody, right? It's it's There's not any room for agency-wise to come in to pair with Siakam unless you, like, get rid of a whole bunch of dudes, if, if Gasol opts out, you don't bring back Danny, I still think they're over the, the cap at that point, it's, it's gonna be pretty tricky to do anything this summer, so I won't even delve into this, I mean, it would be great to have, you know, be able to bring Kevin Durant, or, uh, Chris Middleton, or whatever, but I, I think this is a summer where the Raptors are gonna sit out, and I think that's fine, and, uh, they, I think they're sitting out in the interest of being very much involved in 2020 and 2021, which is what people really want, because that's when all the very good free agents down the road are going to be available, particularly particularly 2021. Uh, next one here from uh, Lila. Will McCaw, Will McCaw for Pete. Uh <laughs> I don't know if Patrick McCaw is going to for I guess if like the Lakers are the like the Vegas favorites to win the title right now, which I don't necessarily agree with. I kind of think it should be, if if Kawhi comes back, I think the favorite should be the the Raptors probably. Um, but like the Sixers are in there. The Bucks are in there. The Rockets, people forget about the Rockets. The Rockets are still really damn good. And I think they should be very much involved. Um, so maybe like McCaw goes to the Rockets to sort of like fix their like just inherent Angst within that team, and maybe McCaw is able to calm it down and bring a championship pedigree to the to the Rockets that they lack. Maybe he goes to win the title with the Rockets. Um, maybe the Lakers sign him to be their best three point shooter. I don't know. <laughs> it could, could happen. It, it would actually he would actually be an improvement. But um, I, I I think it, it. I'll say odds are against it because it's really hard to win titles, and I don't think he's going to be with the Raptors next season. But uh, I'm rooting for Patrick McCaw. I'm really rooting for it. Next one here from Kowau Leonard at 14 underscore Ryan B. Rank the Raptors roster in terms of confidence they will be on the team next year. Okay, Uh, I got to pull up the Raptors roster here. Give me a second here while I do that. I'm also going to take a swig of water because my throat hurts. Give me one second. Okay, so I think it's probably best to do this in terms of like tiers. So I'll say the guys who I'm like 100% sure are going to be back next season. And that 100 obviously has... Bit of a caveat because anything can happen and sometimes trades for the likes of Kawhi Leonard happen and you have to uh, readjust for that. But I will say the guys who I'm like 100% sure are back are Pascal, Kyle Lowry, uh, Serge Ibaka Uh, – not Serge Ibaka. I'll say say Fred, Pascal, Kyle Lowry um, and probably – Og and, and Obi. Those would be my guarantees to return. The next tier down, the ones I'm pretty sure will be around, like 90% sure, but there's a chance they could be moved in salary type moves are Powell and, yeah, Powell and Ibaka, would be the next two. Um, guys who I think will be back, but I am not sure, and we still have to wait to see, so I'm like 50-50 between 60-40, eh, 60 in favor of yes and 40 in favor of not. Uh, Kawhi and Marc Gasol, I think those two kind of tied together. I would say probably more of a chance Gasol is backed than Kawhi, um, but I think both are pretty likely to return. Obviously, we have no idea what's going on with Kawhi, so it's dumb to try to guess, but uh, based on the reporting, based on the thing that came over the weekend with with Chris Haynes saying that uh, Kawhi is seriously reconsidering signing with the Raptors. Again, I'm not sure where that's coming from or where the reporting is from. Of course, Chris Haynes is the guy who originally said that Kawhi had no interest to play in Toronto. So we don't know what to really guess there. Um, but I will say, based on all the reporting and based on just, like, logic, it would suggest to me that Kawhi and Marcus are likely to be back. So I'll give them the next tier, probably about, yeah, even, like, 70%. Below them, I would say I would be pretty surprised if Danny Greens back just because of costs I'll say Danny Greens about 50 40% to come back 50% to or 60% to not come back and then after that I think Boucher probably comes back I'm just going like the end of bench guys now. Boucher and Miller are the guys who I would say are probably like in that Powell, Abaka tier, like probably back. There's no reason to not have them back. They're on contract for a more year and it can't hurt to get another look at them, maybe with a little bit more in the way of rotation opportunity abound next season if Kawhi does leave. Um, and then even if Gasol opts out as well in the case of Boucher. And then, so yeah, they're they're in that like Abaka, Powell tier, 90%, I'm pretty sure they're back. And then I would say uh, McCaw, probably Lloyd, Lynn, Meeks, and Moreland are probably all gone, and, uh, that's sad, but hey, they will have their ring, and they will move on, and they will find greener pastures elsewhere, probably, uh, Eric Moreland may be going to Europe, I don't know, uh, so, uh, that's a good question, next one comes in from, uh, oh, hey, a CBL question, why the hell not, let's answer it here, from Ray G once again, will there be CBL expansion? so, in short, answer is I think so. That right now there are six teams in the CBL: uh, Abbotsford, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Niagara, Guelph, and uh, Hamilton. I think the lows were very sort of specifically selected locations. Um, a certain airline, I believe, flies to all of those cities within Canada or close to them, and I think that is very much behind uh, the reasoning for starting with those teams, and because it's cheap and it's affordable. So I think that's probably number one. Uh, the reason why the the city, the, the six cities that they have now are in existence, but I do think there will be more. I think we'll see it kind of expand coast to coast over the next five, six years here. I would say, I would guess probably about eight teams by next year. I think they want to get up to about 12 um, I would say eight teams probably next season if things go well this season, which I think they're doing pretty well. I think the the league is kind of healthy right now, and I think it's really about to sort of get momentum here, as it's the only show in town for a couple months here before the FIBA World Cup. Um, and people, if you have not watched it, watch the CBL. It's great. Check out the game. It's all they're all on YouTube. On uh, if you go to the CBL TV website, you can watch the archive games for all the teams. Um, and the most recent Hamilton Guelph game was insane. Like batshit insane, and you should check it out, because the CBL has been very, very highly entertaining and very high quality, so uh, that's my shameless plug there, and I do think it will expand, I think they're going to try to ride this Raptors high a little bit here, maybe we'll see the schedule shift a little bit to sort of offset the potential conflicts with long playoff runs by the Raptors, but um, I, I still think they're pretty happy with where the schedule's at right now. And, yeah, I would say, like, it's hard to say what cities. I think, like, Halifax probably is one they'd like to be in. I think, you know, cities like that. I, I think, you know, they're not gonna, there's not going to be a team in Toronto or anything like that. I think Guelph, Hamilton, Niagara are pretty set. I think London potentially or Windsor are, are you know, possible places where teams could come up. Um, a lot of it, too, is you have to consider what the other teams... In the uh, National Basketball League of Canada are doing right, like those teams kind of move around a lot. There's a lot of relocation and stuff like that in that league, and that could depend. That could sort of dictate what teams are looking for a CBL team and whatnot, or what cities are. I think we'll probably see one in like Calgary at one point, or uh, maybe Regina, like because it seems like Saskatchewan's had a pretty good turnout for Rattlers games in Saskatoon, so maybe we see Regina, Winnipeg, something like that. Um, But yeah, I think you know most of the like the CFL type cities. I think we'll probably see. Teams pop up, maybe Montreal or somewhere near Montreal, um, like Laval or something like that. I could see that happening as well. I think they really want to try to expand this thing into as many cities as they can without sort of overextending themselves. It is a single ownership type league. So I think they can kind of take on the burden of opening up a new team a little bit easier because they can sort of tie it in with the rest of the league and every team kind of works together to sustain the league as a whole, so we could see that, but yeah, your short, long answer is that, short answer is yeah, I think there'll be expansion within the next couple years for sure. Uh, Next question here, this one comes from Adam Daniels at Adam Dynasty. Sign Vince for his final season and wear purple, dinos unis, purple dino unis next season. Uh, I don't think Vince is going to want to come here for his final season. It'd be cool. It'd be If he came on a minimum and hung out on the end of the bench, that'd be fantastic. That'd be amazing. In the 25th season of the franchise, that would be very cool. I don't think we'll see it just because it seems like Vince kind of wants to play for bad teams where he can be a teacher and also uh, get actual run. And he might just like opt to stick around with Atlanta or go to Memphis again or something like that. Um, I could see, you know, I could see it. And I think purple dir- purple jerseys are coming in some form next season as the 25th anniversary. Whether it's Dinos, I don't know. They did Dinos uh, five years ago for the 20th anniversary season. I could see a return to the purple front, black back ones, which people who listen to this podcast know are my absolute favorites, so I hope that happens. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, I will say... Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see Vince. It's it, it pains me to say, but I don't think we will, unfortunately. Next question here from 40 and Dunking at midlife vertical. Which Raptor is most likely to make a leap next season? <sighs> OG, Pascal, or Norm. Uh so or also someone off the radar like Chris Boucher. So these are the guys he's given me as the options. Uh I will say probably boo. Like, in brackets next to Pascal, name 40 and dunking has written to all-star and all-defense. I think that's probably the answer. Like, Pascal really seems to be kind of on this meteoric curve that none of the other guys in the Raptors really seem to be on. I think OG's a very good... Candidate here, but I'm not sure so much of a leap as much as it is a bounce back to where we think he can be and just sort of incremental improvements from there. I don't think we're going to see OG come on the scene and be like a 15 point scorer next season or anything like that. I think, you know, if he can average like nine points a game on 36% from three and some good defense and maybe uptick his rebounding numbers a little bit, that'll be awesome and perfectly, you know, reasonable growth from OG to expect. I guess OG has a bit of sort of incentive built into this season because he'll be up for an extension after next season, which is crazy considering it feels like he's not been around for very long. But that is the case for him. And, you know, his future... May or may not depend on next year. I don't think that's really the case. Like I think they'll pick up his fourth year and all that stuff, and he'll be um, you know, around f- at least until the end of his rookie deal with the Raptors. But there's, a, I guess, a chance that if things go poorly the next season and it's another repeat of this year, maybe the Raptors cut bait. But I, I do think OG's got it in him to bounce back um, with some health and hopefully a more sort of stable personal life. Um, but I do think Pascal probably is the guy here for a real leap, considering all he's done and the growth that he showed this season. I think he will be an all-star next year. I think he will probably make an all-defense team. I think he will probably contend for like a third-team all-NBA like that he did this season. He was pretty close. So I think uh, that's probably who we're looking at for for Pascal, uh, for, for the biggest leap is probably Pascal off the radar I just I don't think anyone's really off the radar off the radar I don't really think anyone's got that kind of pop potential I mean Chris Boucher is like 26 27 I don't really see it from him at this point um, I think he'll be an interesting rotation big and a wonderful wonderful victory cigar to throw in at the end of the blowouts but I don't think we'll see a huge lead from Chris Boucher no uh, next question here Comes from Remo Styler at Remo Styler one. Favorite Hamilton Brewery. Uh, yeah, good question. Not not rappers related, but I'll take it. Whatever. Um, and also my go-to beer. My go-to beer kind of changes based on the season. Um, during the winter, I'm very much just like a heavy, sludgy, stout guy. A lot of like barrel-age stuff. Uh, I'm very douchey about it. And it's very expensive, but that's kind of what I go to. Because you can kind of just drink one if it's like 13%, and then that's your night. And that is kind of where I'm at because my stomach gets full. So that's probably... My winter go-to in the summer, I like sours a lot. There are a lot of pretty good ones. Collective Arts has a really good sour called like Jam Up the Mash or something like that. It's pretty good. Um, so that is in there. And then uh, favorite Hamilton brewery. There's so many good ones in Hamilton. It's the best. I love it. Uh, but I will say probably Merritt Brewing on James Street North. If you've never been to Hamilton or in Hamilton and never gone, go to Merritt Brewing. They have amazing beer, excellent sausage. It's a, it's a great, great time. So... Um, Those are my answers there. Please sponsor the show, Merit Brewing. Next one up. uh, The Boardman, at Raptors underscore dummy. What actor would each Raptor... What actor would play each Raptor in the playoff run biopic? Ooh, disregard height and general appearance. (laughs) Okay, so. Leading man, Kawhi Leonard. He did say Denzel's his favorite actor in the How Hungry Are You with Serge Ibaka and I think Denzel could probably pull off sort of that stoic and you know kind of drop in one-liners demeanor that Kawhi carries so I'll say Denzel plays Kawhi I will say let's go with who's next Kyle Lowry I'm not going to say Kevin Hart because that's the easy one and everyone will say Kevin Hart because of what he did to Kyle Lowry in one-on-one. Um, uh, actually, let's just go Kevin Hart. That'd be f- No, I can't do that to Kyle. Fuck, I, ugh, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Let's have Michael B. Jordan be Kyle Lowry. He should be the leading man number two next to Denzel. Um, and I think Kyle deserves that shine. Next one. Uh, oof, God. Let's go. Let's just do the starting five. Marcus Saul, maybe like someone big and tall. I I know I'm supposed to ignore appearance and height and all that stuff, but I gotta try to stick as close as I can to it because that's how you cast. Um, I'll say like uh, Joe Manganiello, the dude from True Blood and a bunch of other stuff, who's very handsome. Uh, that guy I think kind of has a Marcus y vibe. He's tall, he's built, and I think he could kind of find the sort of very Charismatic charm that uh, that that he kind of possesses. You know, he's got a, he's got a very sort of like childish, but you know, very mature and adult kind of way about him. I think is the best way to put Marcasol. So I'll say, uh, give me uh, Joe Manganiello to, to play him. We'll say for Danny Green. I think Danny Green could kind of be like the funny sort of foil of the group. And I'll say let's make him into uh, – or let's let's have him be played by uh, Gerard Carmichael. I think he'd be a pretty good guy to throw in there to like for comic relief. He'd be the guy to drop the funny one-liners um, as I kind of think. I know that's Kawhi's bag, but Danny Green seems pretty funny too. So I'll say that's who I would pick. Uh, Gerard Carmichael, Gerard Carmichael that is. And then for Pascal Siakam – This is a good one Up and coming Has become very famous recently And is only going to be on a meteoric rise Let's give that to Let's go with Daniel Kaluuya Uh, I think it's Kaluuya Kaluuya. Uh, Let's go with him, the guy from Get Out Let's let's have him be Pascal Siakam Again, rising, up and coming uh, Superstar Who has burst into our lives in the last couple years And is in everything and is fantastic So we'll say Daniel Kaluuya Um, And Nick Nurse, who's going to play Nick Nurse? (laughs) <laughs> About uh, Bradley Cooper kind of playing Jackson Maine from Stars Born as Nick Nurse. I think that might do it. Like a very like boozy Nick Nurse would be played by Bradley Cooper and considering Nick Nurse's many gifts as a guitar player and performer apparently, I think that would be it. So Bradley Cooper as Jackson Maine as Nick Nurse. Let's go with that. Uh, next question here. My God, there's so many questions to go through. Uh, <laughs> this one here comes from Brad Juice. How do the Raptors best make use of the Nando DiColo situation? So Nando DiColo has been a topic of conversation for six summers in a row for Raptors fans. They have obviously uh, extended a qualifying offer at him every year. It's always kind of been in the air. Oh, will Nando DiColo come back? And I think in a pre-title world where the stakes seem... A little more dire, and like milking the best that the most out of every asset, seemed like it was more of a priority. Maybe Nando Nicolò becomes like an interesting rotation guy for the Raptors next year. I don't really see it. I think you know the Raptors have his the control of him, right? And and they can either. Uh, match an offer sheet, or they can re- just renounce his rights altogether. Um, I just I don't think it's going to be worth the headache. I don't think Nando Colo at 32, I mean, his issues when he was in the NBA at 26 were that he wasn't super athletic and was not very good at defense. I think those will only be amplified by the fact that he's 32 now. Um, he might be a pretty good shooter. might have a little creation to him, but I, I just don't see it being that much of a coup for the Raptors to bring him back in. So I would imagine... If some team wants to make them an offer sheet, the Raptors probably just go and not match it. Um, and I think they'd be cool with that. You know, they have to kind of keep their powder dry here. I don't think they'll be into signing Nando Colo for a two- or three-year deal when they have, um, you know, stuff to worry about next summer with keeping the keeping the books the books clear. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. I don't think Nando Colo is really in the Raptors' future plans, unfortunately. Next one here... A couple of ones that are now out of date. All right. Now, this one comes from Mike Maz. Now, I absolutely want Kawhi to stay, but if he doesn't, who of all the free agents out there potential players on the trade block and whatnot? Which player would fit nicely on our team if Kawhi left? Who are we giving the bag? Uh, I've already c- kind of answered this one, unfortunately. Yeah, I just don't think there's anything. There's not really anyone out there who you can offer the bag to because the Raptors will not have a bag to offer. Um, you know, a mid-level offer for some, you know, wings probably in the cards, but I just I can't even... Wrap my head around who those guys might be right now because it's just we don't know what's going to happen, but there's not going to be money to throw around, and I think with how much cap space there is around the league this year too, like teams are going to get kind of crazy. I think, you know, we saw how crazy things got in 2016 when all those huge deals were given out like at midnight. Um, I kind of think we're going to see something similar this time around, and I don't think that is advisable for the Raptors to really get in that, even if they were. I think that might, it might be a blessing not having cap space this summer. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like the Raptors didn't really blow all that much money in 2016 either. I mean, they spent money on Damari Carroll the year before and that came back to bite them because that was a deal they had to move off. But um, I think that was the year before all the crazy deals went down for like really bad big men and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. 2016 was a rough summer. I think we'll probably see a lot of really bad contracts given out this summer that guys are going to be wanting to get out of. So I think the Raptors not having the opportunity to throw that money to anybody is probably going to end up being a blessing in disguise a couple years from now. Because guess what? Teams who blow all their money now are not going to have money. that will be fewer teams with cap space to work with in 2020 and 2021 when the Raptors are set up to have quite a lot of space. So um, not the worst thing in the world to sit this one out, everybody. Next one here uh, comes from Fast Break Breakfast. Listen to this podcast. It's very good. Uh, have you ever been as drunk as Marcus Saul and what happened? Uh, <laughs> probably? Yeah, I mean, there have been some times where you get a little lubricated at uh, at an event. Um, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm I'm really curious to see how much Marc Gasol remembers of the parade. I mean, it was day drinking. Usually, day drinking is a little bit easier to remember. Um, but I don't know. I, I I have been that drunk before. Probably. I I, I probably haven't drank that much, like like volume wise, because I think it probably takes. Marcus saw like three times as much as it would take me for like to get to that state of drunk. But um, yeah, I truthfully don't know. It's it's been a long time since it was probably back when I was in like school. But uh, I think there was like a night one time where I mixed like an entire water bottle full of Jägermeister and Coke. That probably didn't end up super well. Um, I know it didn't because it tasted horrible and uh, made me feel horrible as well. But no, I can't really think of a night uh recently because i'm old now and i take have three beers and i'm just like okay nope uh, i'm done now um anyway moving on next one here from uh, water pistol pete when is the raptors trivia tournament finishing up Uh, so for people who have not listened to this podcast for the last year or so, um, or who've started listening over the course of the last year, I did do a tournament of trivia with 32 different people on this podcast. We did a bunch of different episodes. We narrowed it down to, I believe, a top four that included Dan Grant from Raptors HQ, Vivek Jacob, of course, who's on this podcast all the time, and I think Josh Lewenberg's still alive in it, and I can't remember who else, but I think we're right on the cusp of the finals, and I just kind of... ...ran into the summer where it was like the playoffs happened and then Kawhi happened and then the regular season came around pretty quickly and I just kind of forgot to finish up the tournament. I will try to finish the tournament this summer, so Dan Grant, if you're listening... I will get to you this summer, I promise. You've been the one who's bothered me the most about it. I'm not even sure if Josh remembers that he's in it. I'm not sure about Vivek either, but, uh, yeah, hopefully I can get around to that. It'll be fun um, because it was cool that we did that, and I hope that I can finish it off because uh, I feel bad for not finishing it, but what are you going to do? Sometimes I'm going to screw up and forget about things. I I tend to do that. Uh, Next one here comes from, uh, once again, Lamar Edwards. What would be bigger for Canada, Raptors winning the championship or Canada winning the gold medal at, for basketball at FIBA slash Olympics? That is a good one. I think probably the Raptors winning the championship just because it's sort of a more shared and communal experience. I think, yeah, the Olympics gold would be pretty big. Like, I don't think FIBA gold would really move the needle as much as the Raptors winning the title would. Like, I'm just trying to think of this in like terms of like viewership numbers. And I guess Canada in the finals of the Olympics... Would probably draw a pretty big number, but I think sort of interest in the Olympics is waning a little bit because, you know, they're so fucking evil and bad for the places in which they're held. that I think people are kind of souring on the Olympics a little bit, which is a bummer because I used to love the Olympics so, so much. And I still get into it um, like very heavily anytime they're on, but it's also with just like a tinge of guilt because they're very bad for the most part. And uh, I, I kind of feel bad for you know, feeding into the machine by watching it. But, um, and so I do think, like, the, the interest is kind of waning a little bit in the Olympics, but at the same time, like, if Canada was up against, like, the States in a gold medal game in the Olympics finals, like, yeah, that probably draws about the same number, if not more, than a finals game did over the last couple weeks here. But I still think, like, the Raptors, because they're such a like an annual thing, like you, you win the finals at the Olympics, you win gold, and then it's four years until another Olympics, right? You're not sort of building on momentum year over year. I think it's more of a sort of it's cool that it happens every few years, but I, and it can kind of give you a surge for a year. But I ultimately think because the Raptors are so continual and they're just happening all the time, there's, what, three months off before they have to play again. Um, I think that probably is the more important thing just because it's in people's faces a lot more. And the NBA is so popular, obviously. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably it. I, th- I think the Raptors probably have a more of a, I think, okay, let's put it this way. The Raptors have more of a role in sort of roping in new fans. If, there, if Canada were to win the Olympics, I think all of those new fans would kind of become even more cemented, if that makes any sense. Um, but like I think the Raptors are the one that sort of draw people in. I think that's sort of the, the, the lure you throw on the hook if you're trying to find new basketball fans as opposed to the Olympics. Um, so yeah, that's my answer, I think. Very roundabout. Apologies for that. Next one here. This one comes uh, from RapsFan1237. Uh, what would the dollar number be where my spending on championship things is becoming a problem? Buddy, wrong person to ask because I've spent far too much money on championship things. Um, I I think I have a t-shirt coming in the mail today. I'm going to go check to see if it's here uh, after i am done this thing. But yeah, it's, yeah, (laughs) it's, I think probably around like 500 bucks. Like uh, for me, the thing for me is it's a one-time thing. The Raptors are going to make, are going to win their first championship exactly one time. And so I think because of that... You're justified in spending a shit ton of money if you want to. I'm not going to begrudge anyone for doing it. I hope my family isn't begrudging me for doing it and, like, foregoing Christmas. Uh, But that's kind of what the zone I'm in right now is. is just, like, buy all the stuff I can because it's the only chance you're going to get to do it. So, yeah, I would say, like, 500. It depends on, like, what you make and stuff and how much you have available. And you're not, like, you know evicting yourself because you can't pay rent because you're buying championship gear. But if you can afford it, yeah, like, spend 500 bucks. That's about where I spent. Like, I don't care. Um, If you're going to do it, please make one of those things you buy, We the Champs, written by Myself. And it's Wong, uh, that'd be lovely if you could do that. But uh, if not, that's also cool. Buy whatever you want, man. If the Raptors won the title. I think everyone should have like a two week grace period where your credit cards just don't count. Like it doesn't matter what is coming on your credit cards. Just like nope, nope, we, uh, we we bought the stuff and that's fine. And it's just like a it's like immunity or something like that. It's like wiping away student debt, except for. Um, <laughs> except it's for Raptors gear. I think that should be uh, the next thing Bernie Sanders looks to do. All right, next one here. This will be the last one, actually. Uh, with the new signings, what are your thoughts about a potential Fred, Norm, OG, Spicy P, blank lineup taking over the torch for the Raptors in a few years? Uh, I Look, I think those guys are going to be around a while. I think in particular, Pascal, OG, and Norm. Uh, Norm because he's locked in. OG and Pascal because I think they're two guys who the Raptors very much like. Um, I'm not certain about Fred's future. I think there's a chance like this coming season that Fred plays himself out of being within the Raptors price range just because is he a starting point guard? I'm not sure. I think some team out there will view him as such if he plays the way he did um, for long stretches of the postseason next year. There are still some questions with Fred, obviously, his, his height and his durability and all that stuff. Um, obviously I love Fred and I don't want to see him go anywhere, but I think there's a chance he plays himself into like 15 million bucks a year throughout this season. Like think about what Patrick Beverly gets this off season. Maybe Fred gets something similar next year and maybe that rules the Raptors out of the running and the Raptors will kind of be in a new spot where they're looking at their point guard situation and not having a real answer at the end of next year. And maybe it's as simple as Fred becomes a starter when Kyle leaves. I have concerns about the upside of that if configuration if that takes place, but that's a year from now. We don't really got to worry about that just yet. Um, but, yeah, Fred, Norm, OG, and Pascal. Like, those guys are all going to be here a long time, in particular OG and Pascal. And I'm very excited for that because they're awesome and fun and uh, kind of fit into the new NBA and are going to fit really nicely next to Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right, that's going to do it for the Mega Mailbag Podcast. Thank you for, like, the 30-something questions that came in. Very much appreciated from everybody, um, and I'm sorry this thing ran like an hour long, but hey, there was a lot of questions to get to, so thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts. It is deeply appreciated if you leave those ratings and reviews. I very much appreciate uh, each and everyone who's done it because it helps us become more popular, helps move us up the rankings, makes us more discoverable, all those good uh, buzzy words about podcasts that you hear all the time. Uh... What else? Uh, please buy We the Champs. A- uh, Amazon Indigo also in stores on Tuesday. I-, I believe you can go pick it up. Hopefully there are some big displays. If, there- if you're in a Costco, I think they're already in most Costcos in the GTA as well, which is kind of cool. So if you want to pick a-, a copy up there, you can do that at a Costco as well. I think it's like 11 95 at Costco, which is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to have some writing for Raptors HQ coming up. I've been on a little hiatus lately just because... I've uh, been tired mostly, but uh, I'm getting back into the swing of things this year, this week. Sorry, and I will have a Marcus Saul player review coming up at some point in the next week or two. So please make sure you're checking that out. Obviously, here on the podcast, we will have you deeply covered for all things uh, free agency and Kawhi. And uh, I'll be at my parents' house over the weekend because it's my mom's birthday. But I will be having all of my podcast gear with me so I can do a podcast in the event that Kawhi Leonard sticks around or leaves or whatever it is. It's going to be weird, but that's going to happen this weekend probably, so prepare yourselves, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've talked a lot, so I'm going to stop talking now. I appreciate anyone who's tuned in, and uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.